Welcome back. We hope you've been behaving yourself. This is Mary Lewis. And this is Jackie Noto. Welcome to Behave Yourself, a podcast on BA without the BS. Mary, what would you say is your candy identifier for the week? Like from a melted gummy all the way to the prime ideal Kit Kat, how has it been going? It's been going well. It's the start of a new semester, which is wild chaos, I think, for, you know, anyone. But I've been using, I'm personifying the candy as comfort with chaos. And we're saying we're giving this like an average to high ranking in terms of candy for me, which is a Mr. Good bar. It's a chocolate bar with peanuts in it. I love the salty and the sweet little crunch. And that's how my week's been going. We've had some really great moments, really exciting moments. But then we've had those moments where you're like, mm, I would like to curl up in my bed and pretend I'm not a human. So I think overall we're on the up and up, but we're keeping it real. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Little bit of a road bump, but for the most part, you're cruising every once in a while. There's a little boom, boom. And then you're back to it. I hear that loud and clear. Exactly. What is your candy of the week? My week has been tumultuous. <laughs> so as y'all know, last week when we were recording, I was healing from COVID. Thankfully, now I'm to the place where COVID is gone. Uh, but I'm, I've am i been dealing with some other stuff. My dog's paws have been reacting to some mm. allergen, which is never fun to see that he's, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. My car was broken into this past weekend, which mm. was super fun. Uh, nothing was taken. The car was still there, but I had to clean up all the glass from inside and outside my car. I have to get a new window, yada, yada, yada. I was stung by a black hornet. Yeah. Like the day before my car is broken into, which was really painful. Um, And then right now there's some insecurities pertaining to my financial status regarding my employment so it's just been like it's been a lot this mm -hmm, week mm -hmm. uh so my candy for this week you can argue with me if this is candy or not but it's something that gets handed out at halloween which is why <laughs> it was my choice one of those freaking popcorn balls mm -hmm. i don't know if you ever got one but in the midwest they were something that were way too popular when yeah. i was growing up they're not good. They're I a disgrace. It. It's it's essentially a snowball pre-winter to chuck at someone. <laughs> so my week this week has definitely been one of those Halloween popcorn balls. You get it. You're like, why why is this happening? You try to bite it. You're you broke a tooth. Um, so that's kind of where my week has been. It's not the grandest. I'm definitely on the melted gummy side over the Kit Kat side, but that's the duality of life. If we don't have the downs and the roller coasters, we don't get to do our loop-de-loops. So I'm rolling with those punches. Everything will work out. I'm healthy. My dog is healthy. It just hasn't been like the top tier of weeks for me. So we're doing a Halloween popcorn ball. Am I glad that I got a piece of candy from your house? Yes. Do I want this? Absolutely not. So that's where I'm at this week. Well, thank you for keeping it real. Thank you for being transparent. I think it's definitely insightful and also just helpful to see like where we're at, especially if we're having harder weeks. I think it's, and this was Jackie's idea, not mine. I think it's really cool to personify it with something like a beverage or a candy because it makes it a little less like hard to talk about or a little less like icky feeling, but we're still being honest and transparent um, as to where we're at. 
Yeah. And authenticity is important. And it's something that we wanted to be as co-hosts in this show. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, as we tacked over and over gatekeeping, but I think a lot of the things that we talk about, like burnout, like depression, like anxiety, like imposter syndrome, those things flourish because we don't hear people talk about them. Exactly. So I'm here to share my ups and my downs because that's what being a human is. And we love you for it. Humans. Humans. Do you have any recommendations this week, Mary? Diving into the wrecks. Okay. I have one. I added it at the last minute. So something that Jackie says, I don't think you've said it on the pod. Something that you that Jackie says quite often is there's nothing more entertaining than other people's tea. Or how do you say it? You you yes. have there's nothing I love more than drama I am in no way a part of. Yes. And <laughs> I think I think it's like it's like talking, discriminating between like toxic gossip and healthy venting with friends. Like some t- I don't know. And I don't fully understand, I would love to have a discussion around it, of the behavioral principles surrounding why this is so reinforcing. But sometimes it's just freeing. I think it's like it's escape. Hearing about someone else's issues or conflict or like watching drama happen that in no way affects you or and is also totally out of your control. So not only can you talk about it and like maybe you don't really know them. But also like there's nothing you can do about it. So you're like, "Mm, that's that's a pickle that they're in. So knowing that I was, you know, it's the beginning of the fall semester. I'm feeling a little stressy and depressy mixed with a heightened sense of anxiety and caffeine. So I was like, okay, I, when, when I'm not stressed, I think it's really easy to feel like I'm managing my stress well. And then as soon as a stressful time or season happens and I'm not implementing those protective factors to mitigate my burnout, it hits me real quick. And I'm like, Mary Lewis, you're not doing what you should be doing. You are not putting strategies in place to prevent burnout or excessive stress. So as a way to practice more self-care and implement something that I'm actually going to do after my day's over, I decided to explore the world of reality TV. Usually the conflict makes me too nervous, but I've started watching Roni, which is Real Housewives. I had to look up the, the title. Real Housewives of New York City. Jackie's cackling. Our microphones are too good to pick her, pick up her voice, but she's cackling right now. Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. No, I love it for you. I oh. like my go-tos will be one Love Island, ride or die for Love Island. Yes. Uh, and the other one is my like guilty pleasure wife swap, like the oh early 2000s where the quality is awful or hoarders. Ooh. Ooh. Delicious. Okay. That makes me feel better. So the reason I picked it is because they have a new cast member, Jenna Lyons, who was the head of J. Crew for a million years. And I'm obsessed with her. And my glasses are like, they look the same as hers. And I'm like, I want to be her. She's so confident, but she's also really kind and sweet. Anyway, so I started watching it. And it did exactly what I was hoping it would do. I watch it as I go to bed. It's these women and they're like catty, but at least for the few episodes, they're not really that nasty. Like I'm like, this is fine. Like they're just kind of 
they're powerful, confident women. Like they have opinions and they apologize and move on. And they live this beautifully luxurious lifestyle. And like, it has given me the dopamine that I need. And then I go to bed thinking about their lives instead of thinking about things I'm stressed about. So my recommendation, if possible, and if it's not toxic gossip is um, if that sounds like that's something that fits your fancy or your function of escape of an escape break, then I would recommend um, pursuing some reality TV. And if you're not like a reality TV person, something in a similar realm that I would heavily recommend is Desperate Housewives. Not like Ooh. the Housewives of New York or the Housewives of Los Angeles. It's a TV show called Desperate Housewives. It was really popular at the same time that Grey's Anatomy was really popular. I watched mm -hmm. it as a kid and they have like all these little instances of drama, but there's also funny parts and like Gabriella Solis, like she is the queen. So if you're not a reality TV person, but still want to try this aspect of escaping in someone else's life, Desperate Housewives is great. And then also books. I mm -hmm. love escaping in a good book. Mm -mm. Oh my gosh, not a wreck. I'm adding it. I won't fully talk about it, but as a kid, I really wanted to be a spy. And I just found a series about um, these girls who go to a high school that is supposed to be a prep school, but it's really to train them to be spies. And I'm like honoring my inner child. So yes, that is another great recommendation. I love that. And I still want to be a spy today. That uh, is me not too. something that's changed as I became <laughs> an adult. So uh, the behavioral unit at the FBI, if you're listening, we uh, are here. feel free to reach out. <laughs> you can contact us on our Instagram at behaviorselfpod <laughs> or at our Gmail, behaviorselfpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh. Yes. Those are my recs. What is your rec of the week? So my rec of the week is something that I tell to a lot of people. And I actually say with my students as well, um, get plants, something that's great in helping you take care of yourself is having to take care of something else. Mm -hmm. So one, get plants and two, name those plants and talk to them. Mm -hmm. So talking to plants or rice or whatever you're trying to grow does have positive effects on its ability. That's crazy. Same even with bees. Bees, Aww. you're supposed to like literally gossip with the bees because they produce better honey. So get those plants. They're great for increased oxygen circulation in your home. They're pretty to look at. A little bit of greenery never hurt anybody. Name those plants because it's fun. Name them whatever you want. A lot of my plant names are what I call like office names. So I have like Brad, yes. Dolores. Dolores. But then I also have just ones for funsies. So I have like Tommy, Chucky, Reptar and having names for them. And then you can just, if you want to vent to your plants, have at it. Sometimes I sing to my plants just for fun. And it's yeah. great also for that automatic positive reinforcement that comes when you get to see that your plant is growing or your plant is healthy. Yeah, It's just a really good dopamine swing for me. So I'd recommend getting some plants, naming those plants and chit chatting with those plants incredible thank you for sharing i'm gonna start talking to bees now that's really cute i don't have a lot of bees but i have a lot of butterflies oh i love butterflies Me too specifically if you like monarchs you want to get some milkweed that's I like their get some. main go-to we don't have any plants in our front and backyard and yet we have so many butterflies so i'm really keeping my fingers crossed that when we do get plants there will be even more of them <laughs> Just had a, my, I forgot how to breathe for a second there. So I had to choke. Um, but something else that I realized as an adult and I, I hope Jerry doesn't listen to this, but Jerry, if you listen to this, I'm about to come for you. One of my childhood friends, his name is Jerry. 
uh, as an adult, he picked up bird watching as a hobby. Ooh. And what I've realized that I think is really cool about our generation is, and I don't know if this is because the pandemic kind of messed with a lot of us, mm-hmm. but a lot of things that I think categorically we would have categorized as like old people hobbies we're all doing now. And I think that's great because you're finding the joys that you have in life, but things like bird watching, that's things so like true. crocheting, things like planting like all these things that typically you're like oh like as a kid at least I was like oh that's what old people do like they Mm -hmm. crochet people in our generation are doing that now and I love that because you're finding the small shimmers in life that we've been talking about pivot to the positive so on this note my mom actually sent me a hummingbird feeder that I have to set up on my patio and honestly as an adult now I have been getting joy out of finding birds I'm like oh I wonder what kind of bird that is oh and I'll um Hercules hates it but I oh, make no. their sounds back to them. So they'll like tweet or whistle and then I'll whistle back. And Herc's like, there's a bird right here, mom. And it's just me. Um, but That's yeah, hilarious. so whether you're a plant person, whether you're a bird person, whether you're a crochet or sewing person, get into that hobby that brings you joy. That's what life's about. I would highly encourage you to post when you get the hummingbird feeder set up because um, my parents are obsessed with birds. My dad knows like every type of bird and Lisa's favorite thing to do. Mama Lou is 13 on Instagram, loves to sit on her porch and watch hummingbirds. So if you post that, um, I think you will take the ranking of favorite child in the family. Do it for Mama Lou. Do it for Mama Lou. Do it for Mama Lou. I like I can uh, turn around my security camera from inside to be facing outside and I'll just stream a feed of hummingbirds. Yes. I love it. I love it. So I think we're at the topic of spilling tea today. What are we spilling tea today on? So today's going to be our wrap up in this burnout sector. We first talked about defining burnout. How does it flourish? Then we talked about how to close those stress cycles. So today we're going to be focusing on some tips and tricks for maintaining your well-being and working on mitigating burnout that can come based off of some behavior changes and environmental changes you can do in your place of work and in your life. That was an amazing elevator pitch into this podcast. Thank you very much. It's like I talk for a living. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, Okay. So For burnout mitigation, there are these really fun things you can do, which are called protective factors that just reduce the likelihood of you experiencing burnout, or they reduce the intensity or the magnitude of experiencing burnout and then help you recover from burnout because it's pretty inevitable at this point in time. We're going to focus today on specifically one type of protective factor, and that is called job crafting. Job crafting is not super popular in behavior analytic literature, but there is a plethora of research in other fields, specifically the medical field, HR, organizational behavior, those types of areas. But there is some research, some novel research being done as to what are exactly job crafting behaviors in behavior analysis. So to provide a brief definition that is not conceptually systematic because it's not from our literature but hopefully there will be an operational definition coming soon. Spring 2023, maybe we'll see. They define, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. They define job crafting by they, I mean, I can provide a citation, but it's Wierzynski and Dutton 2001. 
they define it as job redesign strategy that focuses on how employees change certain aspects of their job in response to job demands. So the whole point of job crafting is that as an employee, you have the autonomy or the ability to look at your job demands. Those are the tasks that you're being assigned. And also your job resources. Your job resources not only include your compensation and what the organization is giving you, the amount of time to spend on the project, but it's also the resources you have as a human in your physical body. If you've experienced like a tragic life event or you're going through a stressful time or you get sick, all those impact your resources. So it's important to note that it's not just what the company provides you that's considered a resource, but it's also where you're at. And then adjusting the either amount of time or the intensity or the time of day, the location. We have a bunch of examples we're going to share with you. You can change those things on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis by using this ratio. And if you are in a state of having a balance of job demands and job resources, then you're less likely to experience burnout. And they have all this research suggesting that if your job demands increase, but your job resources stay the same and they don't increase or they even decrease, the likelihood of you experiencing burnout is really, really high. And that's important to note because just by at the performer level, you taking control and advocating for yourself, you can reduce experiencing burnout. And we should be advocating for that as a whole. There are types of job crafting. I'm not going to go into it, um, but specifically there's task crafting, relational crafting, and cognitive crafting. If you're familiar with job crafting, we're going to talk about those examples today, but we're not going to name them because that's for another podcast and for another time. And a lot of the examples that we're going to talk about are also related to ACT and the Hexaflex and using those key terms. We're not really going to dive into that too terribly much either. I really just want this podcast to be talking about real examples from research on job crafting. And what's so ironic is that I'm researching job crafting, but a lot of these examples that I'm going to share with you, I also want Jackie to share how she job crafts in her life, because whether she realizes it or not, a lot of the job crafting stuff that she does is job crafting behavior that she has taught me to do. And she probably doesn't even realize. So that's how we're going to dive into the podcast. You could probably already tell Job crafting is Mary Lou's bread and butter. So she's going to be a powerhouse on our episode today. I do have some examples that I'll be sharing, but one of the things I really wanted to hit on that you just briefly spoke about is not just the resources and demands in your environment, but your own capacity as an individual. Yes. Especially as so many people in our field do face burnout. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in general face burnout following the pandemic. It's really important to see what your own capacity or ability is. And there's a influencer that I like. Her name is Elise Myers. And this is something that she briefly spoke about maybe a month or two ago, but she is pregnant currently. Mm -hmm. And she was having difficulty because she was not able to do the same amount of work or the same amount of tasks that she would like to do. And I think she phrased it really well. A lot of the times when we talk about our behaviors or talk about how we act in a relationship, we're saying it has to be 100%. And she was like, something that I had to realize is right now my 100% is 20%. So if I'm giving my full 20% every day, that is my new 100. And that's kind of something I want us to keep thinking about how we've redefined like what hotness is. Hotness is that you are hot. If you have less capabilities, less capacity, you have a migraine, you're pregnant, you have a tummy ache, something traumatic happened to you, you're not going to be able to do 100% that you're normally able to do. 
So set that new expectation for yourself so that you're not continually shaming or talking down to yourself about not being able to have the same output as you would when you're in your prime, because we're not always in our prime. So I love that you included that in your breakdown. Yeah. And if we take data or just observe or time track when those hours of the day, seasons of life, specific issues, stressors come up in our life, ones that are predicted like exams or, um, I'm trying to think of a job example. I don't really have one, but like something like stre- something stressful at work, like a board meeting, staff meeting, but then also things that are out of your control that unfortunately happen in life. Being able to track how you perform when you are experiencing that stress and you're operating at a quote, like lower capacity compared to your highest capacity can also be, you can turn that into a superpower because it's not a big deal that you're operating at 80% or even 20%, but being able to advocate for yourself and hopefully be a part of an organization that supports you to say, listen, for this week, or even just for today, this is where I'm at. And this is what I can do tomorrow. I can do X, Y, and Z or next week when this stressful event ends, if it's an ending event, I can go back to 80% or I can be at hundred percent for these three days. But if I'm at hundred percent for a month, I'm going to have some issues and I'm going to need some extra support. These are the types of examples that we're hoping to provide. We are modeling the way the Najowski sisters wrote their burnout book by sharing research via storytelling. So I'm just going to touch on a few examples, and then I'd love to hear, Jackie, ways that you job craft in your life or if you have anything to share. And then at the end, I have like my personal favorite types of job crafting. This is real research. I want to preface this because it might sound a little woo-woo, but it is not. For example. Let's talk about job crafting as a cleaner of a hospital. So there's been research done showing that cleaners at a hospital, employees who work to clean the hospital, who changed their job description or their viewpoint, their perspective of their job as not just cleaning the hospital, but caring for patients by cleaning the hospital, reduced their burnout, but they also increased the overall quality of patient care because what they started doing is saying, okay, I have to do these cleaning tasks. And they started timing themselves. And they're like, okay, well, I'm able to get that done in this time and that done in this time. And then they looked at their schedule and they said, hmm, maybe I can add some enjoyable tasks and like some things in my job that might actually be more fun than some of these cleaning tasks. Some of the things that they did would be interacting with patients and something that they reported as a behavior that they engaged in quite often is navigating patients and caregivers through the hospital and having like giving directions, which is awesome. What's crazy about this is just by the employees having the autonomy from the organization to decide a few extra tasks that they wanted to do, they not only are doing more for the company, but they're also improving their levels of well-being and they're improving client care. That example alone blows my mind. I'm like, okay, so job crafting should be available for all employees. Out of curiosity, I love that frame that you included that the cleaning behaviors were instead viewed as ways to benefit the clients. I know that you're currently doing some research at a clinic where you're looking at cleaning behaviors. Was that included to the technicians there, that background, that buy-in? of why these cleaning behaviors are important? You know what? It wasn't. And I think the language that they talk about in the research is exactly what they teach and act in terms of values, professional values and personal values and how they align at your job. It wasn't included in that research that you're talking about. But what's so interesting is there was cleaning research that I helped out with to improve cleaning behaviors around a clinic and like picking up stuff and like keeping doors closed, like minor things. 
um, but that needed to be done. What was reported from the staff that were engaged, that were a part of this process, they loved it. They were put into teams, the competitive nature, they didn't win anything. They won absolutely nothing, but the highest, the person, the team with the most points got um, recognized on an acknowledgement board. I never thought that type of intervention would work and I'm so happy that it did. But something that they reported is that, and I think this functioned as automatic reinforcement, they enjoyed working in a space that was cleaner. And when I say cleaner, I don't mean they're like mopping the floors. I mean, they're like putting books away. They're stacking toys in their normal area. And so they were saying that because more people were cleaning, not only was the competitive nature really enticing, but then they were working in a space with their clients that was cleaner than they previously had interacted. And they realized that there were some major benefits. And so this further increased the cleaning behavior over time. Overall, what's really powerful about both of these research projects that we shared is that something that has to be done at work that may be undesirable, such as like engaging in cleaning behaviors or tidying up, can turn into not only benefiting the organization, but benefiting the human who has to engage in those activities without any crazy expensive training or new skill that they have to learn or more oversight and supervision from their boss. It's something that they can choose to freely do if they want, and it creates a beneficial environment and overall increases well-being, which is super, super cool. And it's great to make work fun. Like you tacked it here that there's no compensation that comes from this, but you get bragging rights. You get to be the winner of that week. And making the workplace fun and reinforcing in alternative ways is always going to be beneficial for the quality of life at work, which is something that I'm happy there's been an increase in research on looking at quality of life, but it's not something we often have historically spoken on. There's an incredible human, Amanda Ralston or Mandy Ralston. She actually, for her company, told me that one of her values that she um, talks about when she onboards clients is literally make work fun. I love that. I was like, what? That's incredible. So I love that there's someone in our community who is modeling that type of um, professional value at work. That's well, a great example too of the difference in how a system functions. If someone's functioning throughout a system that's based in predominantly negative reinforcement, you do just enough to get by, just enough to not get in trouble. But mm -hmm. when we start looking in that positive reinforcement sector, you see that individuals are going above and beyond because they're contacting some form of positive reinforcement that mm -hmm. can be from your success with your clients. But why not change the environment to make the general quality of life for your workers more enjoyable for them to be participating in? Which is really valuable to note, especially for leaders in an organization, because those are untrained behaviors that are leading to success. Like you're creating a better workplace environment for the people that work there, but also for the clients that you serve without any fancy formal intensive training. And I think that a lot of times people are just looking for the next best training or the next best speaker. But in reality, like we as performers and as frontline workers, they have the power to do that themselves. Another way to job craft that I think is, you know, attainable and feasible is it's called relational crafting. We don't have to go into all the semantics, but it's basically just utilizing interacting with people or choosing to work alone. So they talk about how you can job craft with your work, which is seeking social support, which we know protects the likelihood of engaging in burnout. If that's what you're looking for, if you're overwhelmed by being around people, then isolating yourself might also be a form of um, 
self-care and may decrease your burnout. It depends on the function of your behavior, but that's a really nice example that I like to give because I think it's pretty feasible and it can be implemented in pretty much any scenario, even if it just means virtual social support via Zoom. And once again, these are all going to be individualized. Different things are going to work for different people. So for some people, they're going to get that reinforcement from doing group work. Some people would rather be reinforced by working alone. We're not saying each of these suggestions are going to work for you, but some will. So figure out what's your function, what reinforces you, and go with that. Another type of job crafting is called task crafting, and it's changing. It's not changing what you have to do. It's changing how you do it and when you do it. Honestly, If you want to listen to our previous episode called Stop Living in Your Inbox, Technology Boundaries, every example that we provide is an example of task crafting, which is job crafting. I don't want to dive too much into that because that's literally what it is. It's just changing how and when you do certain tasks based on when you can feasibly do them and when you prefer to do them based on your resources available. And we give so many examples, and I think it's really easy to use email boundaries as an example of task crafting. Um, But depending on where you work, it's really just having the autonomy to decide when to do certain tasks and how to do them so you're the most efficient without burning out. Once again here, we already talked about this, so I'll make it pretty brief. But an example of this that I previously gave was using time blocks for your day. Mm-hmm. So I did an intervention at a Title IX office at a university where they needed to increase their productivity during the day, but they found they were consistently spending all day on their emails and ending up taking work home and skipping their lunches. Once we put in certain time sections during the day that were specifically for answering emails, they were able to get more work done during the day. They were able to take their lunches. They were able to go home on time. They were able to do an enjoyable 15-minute walk during the work day all because they've allocated certain times for certain behaviors that are going to be effective for them. So looking at your own schedule, looking at the job roles that you're expected to do and figure out when's going to be most beneficial for you to do that. That's something I like to do with my students. And I'll tell them in my vocal verbal behavior in class, I try to respond to emails within 24 hours that come from students for background there. But I tell my students, I am most likely to check my emails in the afternoon or early evening. So if you want to hear back from me quickly, you should email me in the afternoon or evening. And that sets up not only success for me, but success for them when they're trying to reach out to me. Exactly. The last example I have that I think is just fun to share is about chefs. So chefs reduce their burnout and increase their efficiency by practicing job crafting. So what they did is they monitored the number of tasks. I'm assuming that's like the number of orders they have in, the number of food prep. And then they changed how they viewed their tasks, going back to those acceptance and commitment training or ACT principles. They viewed their job as instead of food prep, designing art creations. And it was effective. And they also did um, changes to their workspace when they were cooking that met their individual needs and preferences along with the resources that the company was giving them. The art thing totally gives me Ratatouille vibes. Yes. That's like the whole movie's premise is making this beautiful artwork out of food. But I also loved how you just tacked altering how they use their workspace. And that's Mm -hmm. a recommendation that I would include here. 
figure out ways to reduce your task unpleasantness. Mm -hmm. If you can do the work from the couch curled up in a blanket instead of sitting at a table, do it. Mm -hmm. I have, and I literally share this in class when we talk about antecedent interventions for staff performance problems, but my office chair, I don't know why I'm pivoting to show it to Mary. As I love it. I love it. My office chair is literally made by a mattress company. It's made by Serta. I got a mattress office chair because I know my batuti is going to be sitting in this office most of the day, every day. Absolutely. So why not give myself a chair that's comfortable for me? On the same note, I have a little pillow for added back support. If I can make my environment less aversive to engage in the behavior, do it. And this is something also not to go on a little tangent here. Please do. I like to do with my habit stacking. Mm -hmm. Doing those household behaviors while doing work behaviors, while getting some form of enjoyment. So if I can be creating a PowerPoint while doing my laundry, while listening to a podcast episode, that's great. And I'm getting three things done that I need to get done or want to get done all within the same time frame. but I'm setting it up in a way that it makes it more enjoyable for me to engage in those behaviors. Exactly. Those were some amazing examples. I want to rattle off a few examples of areas that you could potentially job craft as specifically as a BCBA or somebody working in a BCBA adjacent job. And then um, I want to share some of my personal favorite ones. Examples of ways that you could potentially engage in job crafting behaviors with tasks, checking your emails, supervision hours, meeting preferences, delegating tasks, type of task, working with individuals, working alone, requesting or adapting certain job tasks based on your job demands and resources for that particular day, week, or month, and communicating with leadership on these job crafting practices and like how you're doing those things. Ooh, I Yay. Know if that counts as job crafting. Oh, I bet it does. Let's fire it off. The availability sheet of paper. I love when clinics do the same thing that we do with the clients, with the technicians. We're on the office door. You have green, I'm available right now, and red when I'm not. Oh, that's 100% job crafting. Yeah. Beautiful. This is something that I think is so smart and so beneficial because of course, right? Of course, if it's an emergency, it doesn't matter that the red's on the door. If it's an emergency, come on in. Right. But for a random question you have, a suggestion you have, stimuli that you have completed, when you see that that red card is up on the door, it means that I'm not available. Maybe I'm answering emails. Maybe I'm creating a BIP. Maybe I'm talking with guardians. But just having that simple denotation not only is helpful for the BCBA or the performer here, but it's also helpful for the other individuals that are part of the environment. When we set up the standards, set up the expectations, it helps everyone, just yes. like my students with that email thing. Mm-hmm. When people know what to expect, it's easier and there's no confusion because you're communicating this. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. My personal favorite ways that I'm currently job crafting are scheduling in buffer time to both prep meetings and debrief after I meet using Calendly because you can update it like pretty easily, low response effort every day, every week. And it's really easy for um, individuals to interact with. At least I've been having success with it as the like person sending the Calendly link. And um, it's customizable, which is really nice. Designated times to check email. We've talked about that. 
spending time and contriving time, like scheduling it in to play with my dogs, like to literally go in the backyard and throw the ball to just pet them, to hug them, like scheduling in that time. Cause that's really important to me. And sometimes I forget about it. And then doing work tasks that match my energy, that's layman terms. But what I mean is the response effort of the tasks based on how I'm feeling in that particular moment on that particular day or what I have coming up in the future. And for some of my recs, I want to open up with once again, the recommendation of something like goblin tools. Yeah. Something that can break down those behaviors for you that are in that task or that can time the expected time frame that that behavior is going to take. Mm-hmm. Something that's been, that was difficult for me coming back from burnout was feeling like each behavior was going to take so long. So if yeah. I can start timing those behaviors, how long does it take for me to write a cover letter for a submission of a publication? How long does it take me to do the dishes? Those things become less aversive because they're now more realistic. So one, I would say, use an AI to help you. Mm-hmm. They're tools, use tools. Mm-hmm. Two, time the behaviors. Things appear a lot easier once you can time them. For me, eating can be difficult sometimes. I realize that I can make myself a full-blown breakfast within 10 minutes. That makes it a lot easier for me to engage in that activity. On the same note here, schedule the behaviors that you're supposed to do. Something that Mary is a huge fan of are Pomodoros. Having certain incremented timeframes, so 15 to 25 minutes to engage in a behavior. And then the really important part, granting yourself reinforcement. Whenever you're doing anything that's new, any form of change, you need to be programming reinforcement for the goals that you're hitting. Just like you would with your clients, when you're starting to establish a goal, you're going to do continuous reinforcement or FR1. As you're becoming more successful, you can reduce that reinforcement frequency or quantity or quality of that reinforcement. But whenever you're starting with a new behavior, you need to be setting yourself up for success using the consequences following that behavior. The last thing I want to put in here is my recommendation that goes well into reinforcing behaviors, timing behaviors, scheduling behaviors, something that really helped my mindset shift. If we, I, I don't think, I, I'm not an ACT uh, connoisseur. I do not have the scope in ACT, but something that really helps me a lot is instead of focusing on finishing an activity, focus on starting it. Yeah. So instead of thinking of all the behaviors that have to go into this thing, just get through the first behavior. And then you have that behavioral momentum to continue on throughout the rest of the task of what's expected. So that works really well for me, whether it's dishes, laundry, uh, writing a paper, writing an email, grading assignments. I'm always like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's going to take so much time. And then I get through three papers and then I'm through 12 papers. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, holy cow, I did so much work of a thing I didn't want to do. And here I am with seven papers left. So focus on starting instead of finishing. And I think that helps with changing your approach to the stuff that you're doing. Exactly. I love that. As a final actionable step, there is a single item assessment, which means it's one question and it's a Likert scale about job crafting that is supposed to indicate your level of burnout. I will leave um, the jargon of the ranking in the show notes But as an example, a level one is I enjoy my work. I have no symptoms of burnout. A level five is I feel completely burned out and often wonder if I can go on. I am at a point where I may need 
some changes or may need to seek some sort of help. The reason that I really like this tool is because it's written in layman's terms. It's not filled with a bunch of like confusing jargon. It's relatable, but it's a validated assessment tool. And it's literally one question, something that you can ask yourself daily or multiple times a day, and then maybe communicate with your peers, your colleagues, or leadership to say like, hey, this is where I'm at. Like, can we make some changes? Or I just want to let you know, this is where I'm at. I'm feeling really good. Something we've said before, something we'll continue to say, if you need help, please reach out. Mm -hmm. We need to be taking care of ourselves for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of our clients, for the sake of our community. Mm -hmm. If we need assistance, we need to be reaching out for help. Mary and I are both huge advocates of therapy, Mm -hmm. going to therapy on a continual basis. It's going to be beneficial for a variety of reasons smallest of which is just talking to someone about how you're feeling. So if you're at this point where you're wondering if you can go on, you need some sort of help, you need some sort of life changes, first and foremost, please go talk to someone that you can trust who is educated within the scope of helping people in the sector and get those resources because you are not alone. It might feel like you are, but you are never alone. There's a community here that supports you. There are people who have resources that can be beneficial for you. And the first step in changing something is acknowledging it. Yes. And to be transparent, I'm currently in therapy for anxiety-related behaviors. And the only reason I'm there is because Jackie was a great friend and asked me about it. And um, I was able to hold myself accountable via chatting with her about it. So it's possible we definitely have say do correspondence and it's totally okay if anything like it's encouraged and we just want to be an authentic example for you guys because you matter yes you do you matter the work that you do matters and even outside of your work i think a lot of us tacked our self-value with our accomplishments or our achievements Mm -hmm. even if you were to do nothing you still matter exactly You know what also matters, Jackie? What is that? How we are staying hydrated. What a beautiful pivot. Those are protective factors in case anybody was unclear. Like that is us practicing protective factors to mitigate burnout. But Jackie, I want to hear about yours first. So my way that I've been staying hydrated this week is one extra cuddles with my baby boy, my dog, Hercules. Something I'm working on is switching my sleep schedule. I'm staying up to like two, three in the morning. That's not beneficial for me. And a big reinforcer for me is that when I wake up earlier in the morning, my dog is still groggy. So he's in cuddle mode instead of like, get your booty out of bed. I have to go potty. Mm -hmm. So I've been waking up early so that I can cuddle with my dog and start my morning in this enjoyable, calm sense with him, which has been amazing. And then my other form of hydration is when there's, When there's a lot going on in my head, forgive the mentalisms, it's beneficial for me to get that out in some form, going back to closing that stress cycle, right? We have to close it some way. So something that I'm really good at is memorizing things like 98% of Shrek I have on lock. I could do that whole movie for you. But something that's also really fun for me are really fast songs. So rap music or Uh, One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. Anything that you have to do really fast to know a lot of words, that's something that helps helps me in the form of escape, but also in some form of behavior. So I've been working on, and Mary's heard a bit of this before, but I've been working on memorizing different songs by Bo Burnham. I like him a lot. He's a satirical comic 
who often comments on the status of the world. Some of you might be familiar with him through his video Inside Out that came, or Inside? Inside Out? No, Inside Out is the Disney film, Pixar. Mm -hmm. Inside. So the Bo Burnham film Inside, you might be familiar with him there, but a big way I've been engaging in my self-care is one, learning all the words to the songs and doing them. And then recently I've been practicing them in American Sign Language, which is just another way for me to get feelings out. So that's been how I've been staying hydrated this week. And it's been great. How about you, Mary? Thank you for sharing. This week, I'm staying hydrated by researching potential botanical gardens to visit. I have transformed. I don't know what the heck has happened in the past few years where I'm a big nature dosing gal. It's one of my favorite things to do more than ever. Welcome to the plant ladies. I feel like it's so powerful. And like, I never utilized it. Like it really is so powerful. And so there are a couple um, breaks during the semester. They're like one to two days. So like, you can't really go anywhere crazy, but I am trying to implement like and contrive those breaks and like actually take a break. So I've been researching botanical gardens in my area because it's one of my favorite things to do. I just love to like walk around and explore. And so I'm setting up some um, mini vacations to take visiting visiting botanical gardens that I can drive to. On this note, I'm pretty sure there's one like an hour away-ish from Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And it's cherry blossoms, right? Oh, that's not the one I'm thinking of. We'll have to talk about it. Well, I love that for you. I think that's great. You'll get some good time in. I love all the smells of the flowers during the spring. It's always enjoyable. And then just like being outside. I I think it's, I think one of the reasons I like being outside so much as an adult is one, the beauty of childhood. Like that's what I realized in the streams. I'm looking at little bugs. Like I was like, I don't know the last time I saw a roly poly and like here one is, but also like just that mythical aspect that this all exists yes we are a particle in space yes like we can get so weighed down by our own lives but then looking at the miracle that is the world and seeing how expansive it is and how beautiful it is in its own right by just existing a cherry blossom tree just exists and Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and it's valued as it is I think it's great to help in redefining how we're feeling about our position in the world and our impact and what matters and what doesn't. So I love that for you. Thank you. This was such a great pod. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share? Oh, I've been trying to do the, um, like the Baltimore swing where it's like, how could I possibly? Yeah. And as someone who danced for a long time, I thought it would come real easy. It did not, but that's another way I've been taking care of myself is I literally, I don't post the TikToks, Mm -hmm. but I'll do little dances and I'll record it on TikTok and then I'll watch it and then I'll delete it. And it's good. Once again, we're doing that physical activity for closing the stress cycle, but it's just fun. Yeah. I think one of the big takeaways from today is like, put more fun in your life. If you don't feel that your life is literally enough fun, find the fun. You are an adult now with adult finances. The things that you craved as a child or the things you'd like to give to your future child, give it to yourself now. Like last year for my birthday, Mary and I went to the zoo and we had on little hats and we got cotton candy and popcorn and we fed the drabs and it was amazing. Yeah. So value your inner child. The things that you think are fun, 
are mm-hmm. fun to you. It doesn't have to be a childhood activity. It's a way that you can take care of yourself today. So just mm-hmm. put more fun in your life. Amen. Amen. I drop. Well, not dropping this mic because it was expensive, but a uh, hypothetical right. mic drop. Of course. Of course. Theoretical. Can't damage the equipment. And that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to make waves, collect data, and as always, behave yourself.